Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. When you have crossed over, and, and I love the fact that as they go over the, the Jordan, God makes sure to tell them that they need to write these things down. Do you ever realize that the book of Deuteronomy is it's called a book of remembrance because there's so many repetitious things in there. And the reason it's, it is repetitious is because God needs to remind us. And he needs to remind us because we're not always thinking. Hi, everyone. We're so glad that you could join us for our Bible study today on Truth in Christ Radio. Pastor Rob will start a three-part series on chapters 27 and 28 in the book of Deuteronomy. This is the beginning of the third address of Moses to the nation of Israel prior to them entering the Promised Land. In our first study, God gives instruction to his people to inscribe this book of Deuteronomy on stone so they will never forget God's commands and directions for their lives. God knows we have a short memory. That's why today we have the Bible. He has supplied us with a way to remember and follow his rules for life. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. Well, let's go ahead and get into Deuteronomy tonight. These two chapters that we're going to be looking at tonight are pretty lengthy. And if I'm as long-winded as I am, we may not get through all of it. I'm hoping that we can, because there is, uh, I really think these two chapters are really meant to go together. But chapter 28 is extremely long. It's like reading Psalm 119. It's very long. So let's look at the first 10 verses of Deuteronomy chapter 27. We'll just read that, and then we'll go back and look at it. And again, remember, this is last week, actually. We finished the second address that Moses was giving to this next generation that was going to go and come into the land of Israel. And we finished that. And and this evening... We're going to be looking at his third address, and it really encompasses uh, chapters 28, 29, and the very first verse of chapter 29. Uh, So chapter 27, 28, and the first verse of chapter 29, and we'll explain why that is. Because remember, the Bible's inspired, but sometimes the chapter breaks aren't always inspired, okay, by the, the translators. So let's just look at the verse... 1 of chapter 27. We'll look at the first 10 verses. So it says, Now Moses, with the elders of Israel, and you'll find that all of his addresses, as we go through these things, you know, last week I mentioned the different uh, the subdivisions of the book. 
you'll notice that each address starts with now Moses, and it speaks in the third person. Now Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all of the commandments which I command you today, and it shall be on the day when you cross over the Jordan. So he's speaking to them about a future event. Remember, they're on the cusp of going over. They're getting close to crossing that Jordan River to go over and face their first enemy. And we're going to get to that when we get to Joshua, and I can't wait because it's really exciting because... You know, it's just wonderful to, to consider. So here they are. They're, they're camped out there on the uh, east side of the Jordan. And in their unbelief still, struggling, Moses now is giving them commandments. He says, And it shall be, verse 2, on the day when you cross over the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Notice, it's, it's a done deal as far as God is concerned. He's given the land. So it behooves them to go into it. He's given it, go into it. And so he says, When you cross over into the land which the Lord your God has given you, that you shall set up for yourselves large stones and whitewash them with lime. You shall write on them all the words of this law. And when you have crossed over, that you may enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Sounds like a pretty good place. Does the Lord lead his people into pits and firestorms? No, I mean, they're there by, the, by just the trials sometimes that we go through and we're obedient to him because isn't it true that we don't always have, it's not always smooth sailing. Uh, oftentimes, even when we're in the center of God's will, there is a storm, there's a tempest, and we have a choice to make. Am I going to trust you, Lord, in the midst of this difficulty or am I going to shrink away and forget everything you've said? So he says, a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God has of your fathers promised you. So it was a promise that he was going to give to them. He, it began all the way back in, in Genesis. Therefore, it shall be when you have crossed over. Notice this. I love this. When you have, because you're going to get there and you're going to go. When you have crossed over the Jordan, that on Mount Ebal you shall set up these stones, which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime, and there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall not use an iron tool on them, and you shall build with whole stones the altar of the Lord your God and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. You shall offer peace offerings, verse 7, and shall eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God. Sounds like a pretty cool worship service. Verse 8, and you shall write very plainly on the stones all the words of this law. So this entire book of Deuteronomy, write this. Then Moses and the priests, the Levites, spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe his commandments and his statutes, which I command you this day. So here they are getting ready to go over, and Moses is just telling them what's going to happen when they cross over, the things that they are to do. It says verse 1 again, Now Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today, and it shall be on the day when you cross over the Jordan, the land which the Lord your God has given you, that you shall set up for yourselves large stones and whitewash them with lime. And this, this lime is really a, um, it's basically a plaster. And so, they were to do that in verse 3, and you shall write on them all the words of this law when you have crossed over. And, and I love the fact that as they go over the, the Jordan, God makes sure to tell them that they need to 
Write these things down. Do you ever realize that the book of Deuteronomy is it's called a book of remembrance because there's so many repetitious things in there. And the reason it's, it is repetitious is because God needs to remind us. And he needs to remind us because we're not always thinking. Has somebody ever told you something over and over again and you're like, what? You know, I mean, when I was a teenager, I, 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 my mother had to tell me several times. Sometimes even now my wife, you know, will have to tell me, you know, several times, what? What? And then I finally wake up and listen, right? And so it's true for the children of Israel, too. They were no different than we are. But God makes sure that they have a witness. He makes sure they're, they're accountable. And I love that about the Lord. He, he tells us things in advance. And in fact, these two chapters, we're going to see some really wonderful prophecies in chapter 27 and in 28. Uh, concerning what's going to happen several hundreds of years down the road, unbeknownst to them, but known in the heart of God because he knows the heart of the people. And so he tells them in advance these things that are going to come to pass. So wonderful prophecies we're going to see. And so they, he writes these words. He has them write these words down. Don't forget these things. Pass them down to your generation and their generation to the next generation. And, and, and these, are, these are words that God gave them, and they, they, they were faithful to do that. They may not have obeyed it, just as we don't always obey. But the word was always there, right in front of them. The accountability there is so incredible. So incredible. Verse 4, Therefore it shall be, when you have crossed over the Jordan, that on Mount Ebal you shall set up these stones, which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime. There it is again. Verse 5, And you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. Notice, you shall not use an iron tool on them. You shall build with whole stones. And this literally means uncut stones. Think of that. Build an altar, no tools, uncut stones. Sounds very plain, very drab, very blah. Certainly not American. (laughs) You shall build with whole stones the altar of the Lord your God and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. No tool was to be used because it wasn't supposed to be a thing of beauty. An altar is a place of death. When you think of an altar, what happens on that altar? Usually it's an offering to God. Oftentimes it's a sin offering, a burnt offering, a grain offering, whatever it is. But these things... Are, are, are meant to be, uh, especially a sin offering, what happens on that altar is usually death, the death of a life in place of me that deserves that very thing. And so an altar is not supposed to be beautiful. It's not supposed to be ornate. It's not supposed to be full of jewels and look, you know, the top notch. You know, everything's finely chiseled and has a nice little, you know, ornaments all the way around it. No, the altar was a place of death. It was a place of death, and God wanted to make sure that we didn't try to beautify what he is going to do on that cross because what it symbolized was death and a atonement, a switching of places. And this is what we deserve. That's what I deserve. I deserve to be on that altar, tied down and sacrificed. Every human being does. But God says, you know, I'm going to, give, I'm going to allow an animal to be in your place. And when you see the throat of that animal being slit, and you see the life and the convulsion that that animal goes through as it, as it dies slowly in front of you, and then you see it dismembered, and then parts of it being given to the priests, and parts of it being put on the altar, parts of it burned on the outskirts of the, of the city, out in the, in the desert place, you're going to see it. 
and it's going to repulse you. It's supposed to be repulsive. It's not supposed to be something beautiful. For some reason, natural man likes to dress up instruments of death and make it appear better than it is. We've always done that. Whatever we don't like, whatever we fear, whatever we think is ugly, we want to beautify it. We want to make it better. We want to improve upon what God has said. Isn't that at the, at the core? Isn't that what humanism is all about? Trying to improve on what God has already done. I can do it better. I can do it better with my own ingenuity, with my own thinking. I've been to Harvard, after all. I've got my doctorate in engineering at Princeton and Yale. Yes. And Oxford. I got all those degrees. And God is saying, so? (laughs) It's nice if you do. But when it comes to his ways, his way is the right way. It's the only way. In Exodus chapter 20, Way before this, it says in verse 22, The Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven, and you shall not make anything to be with me, gods of silver or gods of gold. You shall not make for yourselves. An altar of earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen, a place of death. It's not meant to be beautiful. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you and I will bless you. And here it is. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone. In other words, it needs to be of uncut stones, just like we're reading here. It needs to be plain. It needs to be very simple. Nothing beautiful about it. You shall build it of hewn stone, for if you use a tool on it, you have profaned it. And that's exactly what we try to do. Build upon what God has done. God tells us to do something. We can do it better. We can make it look better. Why not, God? It's for you. And, and you can justify it all you want. But God, you, even though it's very clear in your word what you say, I know I can do better. And my way is, you know, I mean, you're very ancient. So it's really old, Lord, and your ways are really old. But, you know, I'm living the 21st century. Got it together. Got things happening. I can make this better, so much better. It'll even look pretty. People, more people will come if it looks better. And the Lord's going, no, they won't. And if they do, they're going to come for the wrong reason. Amen? So, hewn stone, something that is cut, or, or something that is, um, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's very simple. But we're never satisfied with simple and humble requirements. And there's meaning behind all of these things. Go with me to Second Kings, if you would. Second Kings, chapter sixteen. We're going to look at ver- the first first ten verses, and it kind of goes along with this. You know, they're supposed to cross the Jordan, and then they're supposed to make an altar of uncut stones, whole stones. It's not supposed to be anything beautiful. And the event that we're reading about now is hundreds of years yet in the future from what we're reading now. Okay, so. Moses is telling, God is telling Moses, no hewn stones, everything's got to be simple, and you don't put a tool on it, right? Well, a few hundred years down the road, we're going to read what happens. Let's look at it. Second Kings chapter 16, it says, In the seventeenth year of Pekah, the son of Ramalia, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. And Ahaz was twenty years old when he became king, and he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem, and he did not do that which was right in the sight of the Lord his God, as his father David had done. 
but he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire, which means he sacrificed his own son to the god of Molech, which was a, a Canaanite god. And they would say in the valley of Hinnom, which is in the south part of the Temple Mount, and it's still there today, believe it or not, this valley, but they would set up an image, and you've heard this horrible story. They would set an image, and they would heat this molten image up, and it would just be arms that were uh, Molech, this, this half-bull god, you know. And they would, melt, they would heat that thing up towards glowing, and then they'd put their babies right in the arms of this deity. And the baby would fry and, and incinerate right before their eyes. And everyone around would be worshiping and lifting up their voices, making a lot of noise, covering up the screams of this child. And God said, I hate that. I hate that. And do you think that he hates what's going on in America today with the abortion and that the laws are being passed in New York State and other states as well? I can tell you he hates it. He hates it. But in 1 Kings, I'm sorry, 2 Kings chapter 16. So, so Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king. Uh, I'm sorry, I lost my space here. Verse 3, but he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, which is not good because the kings of Israel, every one of them were evil. Uh, only a handful in the, in the tribe of Judah were good. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. And he sacrificed and burnt incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. And then reason king of Syria and Pekah, the son of Ramalia, king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to make war. So now you got an enemy of both of them, but now you got Syria and the, the Israel, the northern ten tribes, are coming against the king now in Jerusalem. And at that time, Reason, king of Syria, captured Elath for Syria and drove out the men of Judah from Elath. And then the Edomites went to Elath and dwelt there to this day. So Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, I am your servants and your son. Come up and save me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who rise up against me. And Ahaz took silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord. So these are articles within the temple itself, and he's going to hire a mercenary, the king of Assyria, to help him battle or come against Israel and Syria. So he takes the silver and the gold out. He presents it to the king of Assyria. And just like any politician, the king of Assyria heeded him. <laughs> For the king of Assyria went up against Damascus and took it, and he carried its people captive to Kerr and killed Reason. Now King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria. And notice, underline this, he saw an altar that was at Damascus. He saw an altar, underline that. With his own eyes, he saw this altar, and, and there's something about this. It captivated him. And King Ahaz sent to Urijah the priest the design of the altar and its pattern according to all its workmanship. So he saw this thing, and he's like, wow, look at this beautiful thing to their God. It's so gorgeous. We ought to, we're the people of God. We should have something nice like this. Why do we have to have this run-down shack why do we have to have this run-down pile of rubble? It looks horrible. It, looks, it makes me feel insecure, you know? People, you know, they're thinking to themselves, we're the people of God. We should be the ones leading the charge in these beautiful things. I'm going to do it. 
Um, so he sends a note back to Uriah, gives him all the designs, probably measures it, makes it look real nice, sends him a text, you know, takes a picture, texts it back to Uriah, saying, check this out, make it happen before I come back. And the king came back from Damascus, the king, I'm sorry, and when the king came back from Damascus, the king saw the altar, and the king approached the altar and made offerings on it. And so we see Ahaz committing the great sin of, Again, disobeying God. God gave very specific direction. He sees something else. And all the reasons can be good. But trust me, when we disobey God, we're in for a bad road. We're in for a bad time, regardless of whether we understand it or not. There's a lot of things I don't understand. But there may be things that I don't understand that I have to be obedient to, even though my understanding is darkened at this moment in time. That's what I love about the Word of God. Sometimes you can read it and read it and read it, and all of a sudden, maybe the 300th time you read that verse, you're like, oh, there it is. And you, your mind is blown. And your mind is blown. And the Lord is saying, that's always been there, Rob. But you, always haven't, you haven't been in the right place to receive it yet, but now you are. Now you can see it. And you're like, wow. And yet, all this time, I was fighting against it. I read that passage so many times, and I just resisted it, resisted it, and then finally one day it was revealed to you, and then you're like, it makes sense. Sometimes we just have to be in the right stage of our life. Sometimes we have to go through certain things, and it's not God's fault, it's our fault. We We choose not to believe, and we struggle, and we wrestle, instead of just even blindly saying, you know what, I don't understand it, but I'm going to obey it anyway. That's the way we ought to be, even until we get the right understanding of something. You know, even during building the temple, Solomon made sure that there was not a sound of a chisel or a hammer that could be heard when they built the temple. In 1 Kings chapter 6, let me just read it to you. It says, It came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, that he began to build the house of the Lord. So remember, David, God tells David, you can't build the house of the Lord. So he says, well, if I can't build it, I'm going to get all the materials ready so that when my son is ready to build a temple, he's going to have everything he needs and much, much more. And that's exactly what happened. And so now as Solomon is building this temple, down in verse 7 of that same chapter, it says, And the temple, when it was being built, was built with stone finished at the quarry, so that no hammer or chisel or any tool was heard in the temple while it was being built. So as people looked at the temple mount, they didn't hear anything. A lot of times they would mill this stuff or quarry it underneath. There's great cisterns of water. There's rivers going underneath the, the, the temple mount. I don't know if you knew that. There's been excavators. Guys have gone down there, and there's streams of water underneath that rock. And they would quarry stuff from underneath. They would get it from somewhere else, but no chisel was to be heard. It was all just coming together very quietly. Kind of remind, it kind of paints a picture, doesn't it? And it's supposed to, because all these little details in the Word are there for a reason. They're not there for nothing. Every little thing is there for a reason. So verse 7, back in Deuteronomy 27, you shall offer peace offerings and you shall eat there. And I love that. The Lord likes us to eat. And he likes us to eat together. What a great thing to do when we're fellowshipping and afterwards fellowshipping and eating a meal together. And he says, rejoice before the Lord your God. Verse 8, and you shall write, notice, very plainly on the stones all the words of this law. 
And then Moses and the priests, the Levites, spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. It doesn't mean that they weren't before, but now it's sort of like inaugurating them. You've heard all of these things. Remember, you are the people of God. You are the people of God. Remember that. Don't forget that. Therefore, you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. And then verse 11, he says, And Moses commanded... Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.